Hey everyone, this is Patrick Albin from the SPMI podcast, and you are listening to episode number five. Okay, so today we have a great podcast. It is definitely a topic that I get a lot, and it's a topic that I find quite fun. And it's definitely not fun for the athlete, it's not fun for parents or coaches, but for me, It's fun because I like to uncover what the real issue is, what the real driving factor is behind the struggle. And this big struggle that I'm talking about has to do with athletes' perception of competition. Now, there are many ways that athletes can perceive competition. And one of the most common ways that I see athletes perceive competition is that they perceive competition as the enemy. So, you know, for example, if I'm working with a tennis player and they go to a tournament, they're looking at their competitors, they're seeing how they play, they're matching them up compared to themselves. Or if I'm working with a golfer, they, for example, see how far they're driving the ball in the driving range. And then it's not only the visuals, it's also has to do with the metrics themselves. So they're actually looking at stats a lot of times. And they're looking at performance stats, but also they are looking at results stats, such as rankings, um, such as levels. And, you know, is it really their fault? No, I I think many athletes, they, they're kind of pulled into this mindset because of society's emphasis on winning and success. And how, you know, if you have a better ranking, or if your metrics are better, then you are more worthy. And, you know, it's really tough, because what we're also dealing with is we're dealing with children at first, and we're dealing with young minds. And when you bring young athletes into a culture where everything is driven by performance results, it leaves this emptiness inside of them to where if they're not on pace with that, not only are they not performing well, and not only are they not, um, you know, they're not really uh, performing to their full potential, but they're really unhappy, right? They're, They're sad. They feel empty. And that's one of the big, big struggles. So, you know, we see athletes who... You know, if they're, they're kind of behind in the curve, then they feel like they are almost a failure. And in the bigger, bigger picture of this, it then affects their identity. It affects who they believe they are as people. So this whole problem uh, with the um, performance and the perception of competition, it starts very, very young. And it's not meant in any way, I believe, by their support team or by the sports society itself to make them feel this way or to get them in this, this predicament. But it manifests manifests itself, and we see that as children. And then the bigger struggle comes even more so in adolescence. And we know in adolescence, what happens with children is that developmentally, they start to develop more self-awareness of their peers. And what that means is that now the children, they start to uh, be more aware of what other people think of them, what other people see. And actually, a lot of those thoughts and feelings aren't even rational ones, so they may not even exist. And this is another big area I work with, with um, you know, adolescents, like teenagers, they, they get out of that stage where now all of a sudden they, they were performing fearlessly and now they're playing very scared. And you see that they're competing in a way that's safe and not taking risks or even a worst case scenario, they're panicking a lot. And then you see them in competition where they are uh, just taking very, very low percentage um, plays or they are just uh, not performing at a calm in a calm manner. And that's the other big struggle. So this whole uh, perception of competition and seeing it as, 
you know, competition is the enemy and that I need to uh, be able to outbeat them and I need to be able to outperform them and I need to be able to outlast them. It's not necessarily bad from a physical standpoint. I, I don't believe it's bad from a motivational one in the sense of, hey, it's going to produce drive. It's going to produce a lot of times, um, you know, this, this mindset to want to work harder. But the biggest problem is that it does create fear. And I had a conversation with a, a couple parents even about this uh, throughout last year. And sometimes we have this ideology that, you know, if we want to get the best out of kids, we want to get the best performance out of athletes, we have to scare them. You know, that means we have to punish them. So if they're not doing well, then we have to make them run laps or, you know, we have to make them, I don't know, lift weights, whatever it is that they need to do to they're absolutely exhausted. They're going to be training for another two hours. And that's great for their conditioning. And it does work for some sports that are just mostly athletic. But when you get to sports that are more skill-based, okay, when I say skill-based, what I mean by that is when we look at sports that require a lot of range of motion, we call it ROM and, and biomechanics, looking way back in my grad school days. But if any skill requires a lot of range of motion, and most sports do, so if we're talking about baseball, a pitcher, right, if we were talking about uh, of course, a golfer, you have a ton of range of motion in their swing or a tennis player, of course, in their serve or forehand. You know, if we're looking at that, then it's not good to instill fear as a motivational drive to help them. So that competition part of it actually hurts their performance as well. So then what are we doing? We're, we're pushing the belief that, you know, competition is the enemy. You're supposed to be better. You're supposed to be doing more. And then, of course, that also um, hurts their performance a lot. And that gets into the belief system once again that competition is really the the make all you know, be all part of it, and it creates what is called uh, a scarcity mindset. So instead of that, I just want to kind of went off topic a little bit there. But what I mean by that is that if an athlete is basically being motivated through fear, then they're going to compete with fear, right? They're going to go out there and be afraid. Like, hey, I can't mess up. I have to be able to push really hard because if I don't push hard, then what's going to happen is that I'm going to get punished, right? So that adds on even more to this perception of competition as the enemy, right? That's the other struggle. So then what I will tell parents, what I'll tell everyone here listening as athletes or as coaches even is that you don't want to motivate yourself with fear, right? So if you see competition as the enemy, that's what you're doing. What you want to instead do is you want to motivate yourself to be fearless, right? There's a big, big difference between being fearful and being fearless, right? Because if we look at the part of, you know, in, in terms of how fear uh, affects our brain chemistry and what it does to it, if we are competing fearfully, then the brain will go into fight or flight or fight, flight, fight, <laughs> fight, flight, or freeze mode, right? In some terminologies, and, and that's not good, right? We don't want our brain to go into a panic state where there's a threat. So seeing competition as the enemy creates this scarcity mindset where there can only be one winner and the rest are losers. And that, of course, as I mentioned before, creates this response where a lot of athletes compete scared and you see them not taking risks. You see them playing it safe. And, um, and then of course what happens, we reinforce the wrong belief system again. And we say, okay, well now you got to do a better job. That was terrible. Punishment comes in again. Yes. In practice, you may see some improvement, but then in competition, the same mistake occurs, right? The same response, 
So, you know, that's really uh, the big struggle. We see competition as, um, you know, it's competitive, it's exclusive, it's only for the few, and you have to get there or else. And once again, from a physical standpoint, that does work. It, it is true. But the mind drives the body, right? The body doesn't drive the mind. So we need to make sure that the mind is aligned so the body can produce optimally. And in order to do that, what happens is that athletes need to instead be encouraged uh, to have a more collective mindset. So a collective mindset really is the ability to not see competition as the enemy, but to instead see competition as helpful and to see competition as necessary. Okay, so think about that for a moment. You're seeing competition as helpful and you're seeing competition as necessary. And the reason why I say think about that for a moment is try to really see yourself looking at your competition and say, hey, you know what, I want you to be there. This is good for me. Maybe this is the first time you as an athlete or a parent or a coach have ever heard it this way. Uh, it's kind of weird, right? It's, it's definitely not natural. It's unnatural approach to the mind. Um, but just think about what that does. How does that change the perception of competition? What does that do for the mind? Does it relax it more? Does it tense it more? Does it create more thinking or less thinking? And one of the goals is to do what? It's to quiet the mind. So to quiet the mind, we need to get to that point where we can become fearless. And if we see competition as collective, we see competition as helpful as necessary, that is going to definitely put the athlete more on pace to performing to their full potential, right? And we can even kind of look at it, not completely, but we can look at it between practice and competition, right? If we see practice, a lot of athletes have the mindset of practices, this time where you are training to get better, right? You're working on things. And in some cases for you know, coaches will actually encourage mistakes. It's great. Hey, go out there and do this. And it's all right. You're supposed to do that. So that's a good thing. But then what happens in competition? Oh, no, now you can't make mistakes, right? Now you have to be perfect. You have to be the winner. Competition, is, once again, is the enemy. And that is where they get in trouble, right? It's where athletes really, really struggle. So we want to see competition as collective. We want to see it as necessary. And we definitely want to see it as helpful. Now, I want to add another layer to this. So I'm going to kind of kick it up a notch here with the mind. And it's not just about seeing competition as helpful and necessary, but we actually want to see competition in a way to where we cheer on our competition. Now, before everyone gets ahead of themselves, I'm not saying that you forfeit your competition and say, hey, my, my opponent or the opposing team should beat me. It has nothing to do with that. Of course not. But instead, the way you want to see it is you want to see the competition as this competitor or this team is helping me this competitor or this team is making me better and the only way i get better is if they push me right because this is the other struggle too many athletes are very short-term focused right and as individuals we are actually we know that the brain is actually hardwired to take care of the immediate threat that means a threat that is coming next in our lives way more than the future threat but the problem with that is that the future threat is usually far greater than the immediate. So let me explain what that means. In sports, an athlete can be really worried about the next competition to the point where they do not compete freely. However, 
their brain is not aligned with taking care of the threat that resides in future, right? In the future of, hey, look, if you don't compete fearlessly, if you don't actually work on these things, then in the future when it matters more, you're not going to reach that overall goal, right? Because you're going to keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. So that's the problem too, is that our brain is very short-term focused when it comes to fear, right? So that's why also we need to be able to have this collective mentality that we are cheering on our competition because we need to be able to remove the short-term threat that it presents, right? So once again, I'm not saying that you say, hey, I want you to beat me or hey, I want this team to, to do better than us and to knock us out of the playoffs. No, of course, that's not it. But it's simply saying, you know what? I really wish good things for you. I, I want you or I want, you know, I want your team to, to perform at a high level because you, you know, your team is going to bring out the best in me. And if that's really hard for you as an athlete, start with this mindset in your training. Start with it in your practices and say, okay, I want to bring the best competition here. And it's at the risk, or I should say the emotional risk, because it's not really a risk, but it's at the emotional risk of being outperformed, of even being embarrassed. It's really important to have that because at a deeper level, we know that our brain grows the greatest when it struggles the most. So this is what we need for our long-term growth. And I'm sure every athlete listening is not focusing on, oh, can I be the best athlete right now? Yes, you can. But realistically, it's more about, hey, can I be the best athlete six months from now, two years from now, three years from now? So it's the long-term growth. And it's the mindset you're going to have now that's going to help drive that growth. So you want to cheer on your competition. Okay, so I want to... Now, I want to give a, a good example of this, and I want to give an example of this from one of my favorite athletes of all time. It's an athlete who I grew up with, um, even though I'm not from that area, and that's Michael Jordan. Actually, when I was a, a kid, I used to watch almost every game of Michael Jordan that I could uh, with the Bulls, and you know, even though I was not in Chicago, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, I think it was TNT at the time that they showcased every national game. So... There was one, um, you know, there's so many moments actually that where Michael Jordan has made remarkable quotes about his mindset. And I want to uncover one mindset quote that actually goes with the collective nature of understanding and respecting competition. And I truly believe this is one of the driving forces of why he was so great, among many, many, many other reasons. So here's what happened. I believe, and I could be wrong, but it was definitely in the late 90s, uh, one of his last championships. After they won, um, a reporter asked him a question um, at a press conference. And basically, he was asking Michael Jordan if he believed, okay, at this point, because he won so many championships, if this actually solidified him as the greatest of all time. And this reporter even mentioned basketball legends like Magic Johnson, uh, Larry Bird, Bill Russell, and Wilt Chamberlain. But of course, as we know, Michael Jordan, he's very, very wise. And uh, he had a response, I think, that the reporter was not ready for. And what Michael said was this. What he said was that, well, all the guys before me were the artists of this game of basketball. And we've all learned from them. And to say that one improvement is better than all of it is an unfair assessment. So let me explain what this means. This reporter was asking him, hey, do you believe, okay, this championship solidifies you as the greatest of all time. Michael disagreed completely. 
He didn't say, yeah, yeah, it's the greatest. I'm the best basketball player ever. And I think many would argue that he was, but that's how humble he was. But I want everyone to understand the mindset of what he had, right? He didn't say he's the best. He actually gave credit to these other players, not just out of humility, but more so because he wants people to understand that it's the mindset that drives success. And the mindset that drove the success for Michael Jordan is the fact that he didn't see sports so much as competition, but as art, right? It was as art. He actually called them artists. So think of it like this. If you are working on an art artwork uh, and you have a canvas and you're working on it, well, for Michael Jordan, it was like, look, uh, there are a lot of things I can do and there are things I can do even better than these other artists, but they all have their unique touch and approach. And they bring this stylistic, individualistic uh, character to my art that then makes it that much better. And in a way, what he was talking about is that he wanted that. You have to want that level because that's what drives excellence. So for Michael Jordan, you know, having his predecessors who really, really um, pushed the bar, right? They elevated the bar for him and he was able to elevate it even more. That's the mindset. And yes, in, in some cases, he's, look, he's giving a lot of respect and credit to them, of course. But the other part is the mindset that competition is collective men- mentally, right? The mentality is, hey, it's collective. You are going after something, but you need others to be great too to get to that level. So, you know, we can take uh, different academies and schools and organizations. And a lot of the best athletes in the world in all sports they at least trained with someone else who made it as well, right? They did because, you know, collectively they pushed each other. And I could sit here and mention off a ton of names, but I I don't want to do that. But I'm sure a lot of them come to your mind right now. But it is really about that. You know, I, I don't know too many athletes who didn't have someone else great around them while they were young and they were able to make it big. Right. And a lot of times the stories and, and they're so common is that they they may have started that way where they didn't have someone around them. That was great. But they eventually introduced themselves into an environment where they were struggling a lot and then they broke through. So it is about that. You know, if you see competition as the enemy, there's this fear that comes into play. And with this fear, what happens is that we stay away from those opportunities. And then as a result of staying away from those opportunities, we experience less growth. And another great way of looking at this would be uh, through an example I like to give to my athletes, which is, you know, let's imagine that we have a uh, performance potential pie. That sounds kind of weird. It's not like a pie you eat, but, you know, every athlete starts out with their own pie. And what that means is, okay, where are you competing? What, what is your environment like, your community? And for many athletes, their pie is very small. So what that means, let's take an athlete who, you know, is um, in a location where, you know, they have a select, um, a select group of other athletes and coaches that they can train with. And in that area, you know, they're working hard on being the best, meaning they're working on trying to have the biggest piece of this pie. Um, so, you know, they're training all the time with these athletes and they're pushing each other. And one of the athletes, yes, he ends up or she ends up having the biggest piece of that pie. But here's the problem. That pie is very, very small compared to the entire pie of that sport organization, right? An entire part of those, uh, that competitive environment. So then what happens is this athlete needs to go make the pie bigger. So let's say she then goes to maybe an academy or she 
goes somewhere, uh, a different facility where there are other higher level athletes in her sport. Now what happens is that the pie that she entered is more competitive. It's bigger. And now her slice is smaller. So now it's way smaller. And that may look bad and it's kind of scary and intimidating. But think about just how much potential she has to get better. So she has this little tiny sliver of a slice at first, but she works really, really hard and she's struggling more. And because of that, she's getting better. And now the piece of that pie has gotten bigger. And yes, it's still smaller compared to where she came from, but it's far bigger than it was. And because she's now in that new environment, that piece of the pie is bigger than the entire pie that she came from. So I'm hoping that makes sense. I should have probably added a little more visual aid to that, but this is a podcast. Uh, but the point basically is, you know, don't be afraid to go after competition that will push you and even embarrass you if it means that it's going to be a better decision for your future self. And that is about the collective nature of seeing competition not as an enemy, but seeing it as helpful, necessary, cheering it on, and really seeing it differently. As Michael Jordan, once again, as we stated, was that he saw it as an art. You know, another way I like to look at it, and I'll give a funny example of my own experience, is, you know, seeing competition as, uh, as a dance. So, you know, let's take my past experience. I, um, I went to college in Miami, and uh, I had to take an elective. So I took a, a Latin dance course. You, know, you think down here you'd have to have that for sure. Um, I had to do a lot of things. I had to actually go to another country, learn Spanish for a while. I got my butt kicked in that, but I finally learned um, but the point is, I, you know, I take this class, I think, okay, I'm great. I think there were only two or three guys in the entire class, including me, and there were 20 some girls. So the ratio was great to get better. Um, but I took this class and I thought, okay, yeah, I, I know some stuff. Great. <laughs> but then, uh, you know, I, I go out and, and uh, you know, Miami and you start, uh, you know, really, really see, seeing your skills. And I ended up meeting my now wife, but at the time when I met her, I thought that, you know what, I, I'm great at this, but unfortunately, I really wasn't what I thought I was. Uh, you know, my wife, she's from the Dominican Republic, and for anyone who knows that country, uh, they are born to dance. You know, since they're little infants, their grandparents, you know, they, they pick them up and they, they teach them how to dance. It's amazing. So, you know, trying to dance with my now wife, um, that, was, that was a huge challenge because, you know, here I am thinking I'm good. I step into another pie, right? We're talking about, and it was like I had two left feet. But as a result of that and getting over the embarrassment and the enormous struggle, that also helped a lot. And although my salsa is terrible, uh, my bachata, on the other hand, has gotten a lot better because that is, uh, that's one of their uh, cultural dances, right? They also have merengue and bachata, but, but that is, um, that's just an example. It's funny because you step out, you think you're good, you go into another pie, it's embarrassing or it is a struggle, you're vulnerable, but that is how you grow. That is how you experience growth. And it's about being collective. So when I you know, dance with her, I want her to be good. I want to struggle. You know, I want her to push me because that's how I'm going to learn. Right? And just like that in sports, it's the same thing. See it as a dance, which means all right, you go out there, you compete against your competition, and you want them to compete at their highest level. And if they can't keep up, well, because it's a dance, then it's not your fault, right? It's not like it's a scarcity mindset. Well, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm winning, you're losing, and I got to keep it this way. No, you're still performing at your highest level. 
maybe your level elevates your opponent or opposing team, but that's not your responsibility. The only responsibility you have is by keeping up with this dance and really, really, you know, enjoying it and still, in a way, cheering your competition on to want your performance to bring out the best in them. And then there's no pressure. And out of nowhere, you know what the the ironic part of all this is you're going to find yourself in a place where you're performing so well and so freely and your competition may not even be in sight, but you won't feel anything of it. In other words, you won't feel this fear or this sigh of relief. It's more of joy. In the highest level in sports, it's more of being in the zone, right? It's, it's a state of flow. And that's where every athlete needs to get. And that's a little insight of how I work with athletes in many, many different areas, but help get them out of that funk where, you know, they're, they're competing fearfully, not just are they competing fearfully, but they're worrying all the time outside of sports, in sports, outside of competition, in competition. And of course, as we know, that has a, a big impact on their everyday well-being. So, you know, I know it sounds funny, but it doesn't have to be on art or a dance, but think about it collectively really try to do that. It's an awkward thing. It's definitely uh, not conventional and that's why it works. But that's what we want. We want the best. You know, going back to the, the funny example I gave with my wife, I love to see her when she's at her best dancing with others who are really good because it's cool. You can see that synergistic approach where they're both elevating their levels on the floor. And that's something I can't provide, right? Like, I'm, you know, me not being uh, from the Caribbean or learning that, that's, uh, that's really, you know, I, I could get better, of course, but, you know, it's, you want to, you really want the best for your competition because it's going to make you better. And, and I just want to kind of reiterate another specific example of this, what that I see with many athletes. Many athletes look at their competition not only as the enemy, but it's like they wish them bad things. Like, oh, I hope that, you know, this athlete doesn't get drafted or this athlete doesn't go pro, I'm supposed to go pro, or this athlete doesn't get that college scholarship. That's the worst thing you can do. If you do that, what's going to happen is you're going to go not only out there to compete with anger and fear, but with resentment, right? Everyone out there, look, we all go out there to compete. And, you know, you want to be able to go out there and say, hey, I wish you the best. And, you know, of course, I want to be the best. And I'm going to do everything I possibly can to be the best but you want to wish them the best. So, you know, the mindset of scarcity has to be in a, mind, a mindset of abundance. You go out there with an abundance mindset that anyone can go out there and be the best, period. Even if you're in a sport where it's like, hey, there's only one number one, you have to believe that because what you don't want to do is bring in fear, frustration, and you definitely don't want to bring resentment to anyone. So I hope uh, this podcast brought some meaning to everyone. Um, you know, I think it's a very, very helpful topic, important topic to discuss. And I definitely want to highlight a, a couple things before we end. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel. It's called SPMI TV. And I actually have an SPMI TV uh, YouTube video on this too. It's definitely more exciting than a podcast, right? There's a lot more, um, you know, just edits and things and visuals and that are really cool too. So if you guys want to check that out, please hop on over to uh, SPMI TV on the YouTube channel. You can also see the video uh, of this topic and, um, and also just subscribe, make sure to subscribe, like the video. I'm trying to grow that as well. Um, really looking forward to bringing great content this year uh, for 2021. 
Um, you know, I wish everyone a, a lot of success. I know we're very early in it and there's a lot of uh, struggles going on right now in the world. And then of course in our country in the US if you're listening here. But um, you know, you guys gotta keep prevailing. You gotta look at collective ways of getting better. Changing the mindset will do you so much good this year, especially to start. Changing the way you see competition, the way you act upon it will help your growth. And as always, if anyone listening wants to uh, know more about the company, please hop on over to the website. It's www.gospmi.com. That's G-O-S-P-M-I.com. There will also be uh, some really amazing courses coming out later this year, a really awesome program um, that I will be releasing later. But definitely check it out if you're interested in um, you know, getting any type of services, uh, just really reaching your full potential, enjoying competition. Uh, it's helped tremendously for so many athletes and so many coaches and parents. So take a look at that. Um, and yeah, as always, I wish everyone a great, great week. And I will see everyone or you will hear from me uh, next week. Take care.